Every summer we go to Jamaica with our high school students, and, and many of you have been, uh, many of you know someone who has been. Uh, we've been going there for 14, 15 years, and I've, I've gone since I was 17 years old. And uh, one of the places that we, we go, we, we call um, the infirmary, but it's, it's the, the St. Anne's Infirmary. And uh, many of you have, have been to uh, an assisted living facility here in America. Maybe your grandparents have been in one. Uh, and we have some really nice ones in America that insurance pays for and that, that, that we save up for. And they take great care of people that are, that, are, that are kind of entering into the last stages of life. And they're beautiful. And they have these beautiful outsides and these beautiful interiors and great food. Um, but if you've spent much time in any of those you know that there's kind of something behind what you see. There are smells that you don't want to smell. There are sights that you don't want to see. There are things that you hear that you'd rather not hear. And these buildings are full of decaying bodies. There's only so much you can do to make them look and seem better. And in Jamaica, it's, it's like that, but it's, it's worse because it's a developing country. And furthermore, this isn't a private institution. This infirmary is run by the government, which doesn't have a lot of money. And basically, this infirmary is a place where people go to die. They may get there when they're 18. They may get there when they're 80. Some of them are there for, <clears throat> some of them are there for two or three years. Some of them are there for decades and decades and decades. Some people are there because they're mentally ill. They have Down syndrome. They have dementia or, or Alzheimer's. Some are there because they lost a leg. They have diabetes. They went blind. Maybe, maybe they're crippled or paralyzed. The people that go there are going to be there till they die. Here's why. You really can't leave. The only reason you go there is because you have no one to take care of you, and you can't take care of yourself. And if you want to leave one day, well, essentially they tell you you have to pay back the government, which none of these people can do. And so once someone gets there, they're there forever. And there was a guy there by the name of Carly. And Carly, Carly had a few things going on with him. He, he was blind, but he wasn't just blind. His eyes were glazed over. His, his, his eyes were sunk into his head. He was crippled from the waist down. He, he couldn't use his legs. They were shriveled up. He might have weighed 80 pounds. Apparently, long before I got there, they had decided that it was pointless to even put clothes on him because he couldn't control his, his bowels, and so they would just put a sheet over him, put a sheet over his midsection. So I never saw him with clothes on. I never saw him with a shirt on, only with just his midsection covered. And this is the, this is the state that Carly set in for, I don't even know how long he was there, but before, far before I even got there years ago. And uh, 
And there were years, and, and to be honest, there were years where I even thought, you know what, like, oh man, that guy's just even difficult to look at. And over time, I, I began to, to, to get to know him um, and to realize that, that there was so much more to him than, is, than what met the eye. He wasn't, he wasn't a blind, crippled guy. He was an amazing, amazing, amazing follower of Jesus. See, this man had hope in Jesus that I couldn't really comprehend. See, if I was in that situation, I'd probably be bitter. I'd probably complain. I'd probably be annoyed. I'd probably lash out at people. I might even lash out at God. Why'd you make me this way? Why, why, does, why does this have to be my lot in life? But never once in the years I went there did I hear him complain. He had this amazing mind like, like uh, uh you could walk in, like there was a time where I was down there for two months, so I wasn't with a mission group, I wasn't with Beach Church, there weren't a bunch of people walking around. He, he would have no reason to think I was even in the nation of Jamaica. And I came down there one day, and I just walked up to him, and I said, hey, Carly, and he would just say, hey, Ryan. He couldn't even see me. Two words, he would just know, know my voice because he cared about people and he cared about uh, his friends. And, uh, and he cared more about me than I cared about him. Like, I remember telling him, he was asking me about my family, and he's like, he's like and so he's just, he's just listing off the people in my family. Like, he knows my family tree, and he's like, he's like, well, how's Lindsay? I said, well, she's in Nashville, and she's, she's writing music and writing worship music, and like the joy and the laughter on his face when he heard what she was doing and when he, when he heard those things was just incredible. And this man, this man had been transformed. His body was a mess. He was decaying on the outside, but inside he had been transformed. He had been changed. Something had happened to him that had changed the way he looked at life. It changed who he was. And this past year, he passed away. And we know that now that he is, he is able to walk and he is able to see and he's able to see his Savior who for years and years and years he hoped for and he, he prayed to and he talked to. And I think when I think about a guy like Carly, I think, man, that's, that's something I want to experience. And I want to be at a place where, where I could change in that way, where I could be transformed in that way. And again, this isn't something we necessarily share with our friends or even, even our best friend. But at our, in our beds at night, when we're quiet, when we think about our lives, this is what we desire. We desire to be transformed. We desire to change. But a lot of times, our problem is we don't expect to change. We'll see a, 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 maybe a person at church that's just bitter, angry, complains about everything, complains the music's too loud, complains that it's not this way, complains that we're not serving here or doing that or their song wasn't saying and all that kind of stuff, and we're just not even surprised by it. We don't expect them to change. We're just like, oh, that's just who they are. And it's the same thing with us. We'll look at ourselves and we're just like, ah, I just am who I am. I just struggle. You don't get it, man. I just struggle with that. Like, that's just who I am. I've heard people say, I've said it. We've, we've all said it. It's just who I am. Like, like, like that's just where we should stay. And, and we don't even expect change. But, but today we're going to talk about expecting transformation because Jesus said what is impossible with man is possible with God. We can't expect transformation because what is impossible for man is possible for God. And once we decide to follow Jesus, we should expect transformation in our life, in our day-to-day -day life. It should follow our decision 
to go after Jesus. John Ortberg says this, to grow spiritually means to live increasingly as Jesus would in our unique place, in our school, in our home, in our body. To perceive what Jesus would perceive if he looked through our eyes. To think what he would think. To feel what he would feel. And therefore to do what he would do. 2 Corinthians 3.18 has this one verse. And it says this. And we all, talking about Christians, people following after Jesus. We all, who with unveiled faces contemplate. Everybody say contemplate. Contemplate, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed. Here's what that that contemplate word is, because we don't use contemplate a lot. Um, It means to reflect. What What do you do when you go to a mirror and you want to see what you look like. Maybe you want to see something on your face. Girls, you're doing your makeup or whatever. And you're trying to get real up close. What do you do? You stare into the mirror. You get close. You look at your reflection. If you're trying to reflect something, you have like a mirror in your hand. You're trying to reflect something to somebody. You have to point it at the object you want to reflect. So he says, we all who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, contemplate the Lord's glory, gaze at the Lord's glory, are being transformed. Here's the simple truth that he's saying here. When we look at Jesus, we are transformed. When we look at Jesus, we are transformed. If you're a math person, if you want to just get it real boiled down, look to Jesus equals transformation. Look to Jesus equals transformation. When we look at Jesus, we are Transformed. C.S. Lewis, uh, again, another quote from him says this, The Son of God is at your side. He is beginning to turn you into the same kind of thing as himself. The Son of God is at our side. He's within us. And he's beginning to turn us into the same kind of thing as himself. See, when we are Christians, we should expect to change. We should expect to be different in a year than we are today. Not perfect, but more like Jesus. And so I want to ask a simple question. How do we contemplate or reflect or gaze upon Jesus? How do we do those things? Now, what I'm going to say is not a self-help thing. It's not this is how we fix things. This is a way that we can allow God to have the maximum impact on us and therefore the maximum transformation. Here it is. We need to arrange each day in a way, arrange each day, in a way where Jesus is at the center, and you will see transformation. Arrange each day in a way where Jesus is at the center, and you will see transformation. What I'm not saying is you have to have a quiet time every day to be transformed. That is part of it. But we're not talking about spiritual disciplines here. We're not talking about um, even going to church. We're talking about a day-to-day, moment-to-moment, minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour, driving to work, going to school, uh, doing homework, talking to your parents, eating your meals. We're talking about a moment-to-moment day where we look at Jesus, where we arrange our mind and our schedule in a way that allows Jesus to be at the center. Because when he's at the center, we look at him. And when we look at him, we are transformed. The key is in this verse. When we gaze upon the Lord, we are transformed. John Orberg also says this. He says, we can open ourselves to transformation through certain practices like quiet time, prayer, church, 
service, those kind of things. But we cannot engineer it. In other words, we can't make it happen. And we can take no credit for it. For it. But we can open ourselves up to God's transformation. We can put ourselves in a position to, to allow God to change us more than we would if we just did our own thing. And again, we're not doing this to try harder or to be more holy or to fix ourselves. We, we've talked about that. We've been down that road. We're doing this to open ourselves up, to allow God to have the ultimate impact on our lives. So let's just think about a day. Think about your waking up. Most times I wake up, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm waking up right now. And I don't even wake up early. And I'm still like, oh, gosh, I want to stay asleep. Oh, what do I have to do today? And start going through your schedule. Where's the gratefulness? Like how often do I just wake up and say, thank you, God. And start, start the day with God at the center. You go eat your breakfast. I don't want this. Ah, I don't have time. And you're in a rush and you're running from one thing to the next. And how, how is that centering your day in a way, arranging your day in a way that God is at the center? It's not. You're at the center. And it's hard to be transformed when you're at the center because that's the same thing as we talked about. You're trying to fix yourself. It's all about you. That doesn't work. So often our mind immediately goes to what, what do we want? Man, we could, sit, we could arrange our days each day so that we value people. Not because we're trying to invite them to church or lead them to Christ. We just value people because they matter. And when you value people, you start focusing on God. And you start thinking about why am I valuing them? Why do they have value? Because of God. And all of a sudden Jesus is at the center. And all of a sudden you're gazing upon Jesus. And all of a sudden you're being transformed. You're talking to God. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just saying praying. Like, like you're on your knees by your bed saying your prayers. I'm saying you're just talking to God. Sometimes I do this. I'm not gonna sound holier than I am because I don't do it a lot. But sometimes I do this where I'll just look at someone as I'm walking down and I'll just say this quick prayer over them. Hey, I pray for that person to know you. I pray for that person. I don't know what's going on in their life. I just pray for them. That's talking to God. That's having a conversation. Think about when you text to your friends. It's like you don't even talk about anything. It's just like 100 texts. And you really didn't say anything, but you talked to them. And there's something that matters to that. Yeah, it's not deep, but there's this constant communication. And when we're talking to God constantly about our issues, about our problems, about our friends, about our family, we're keeping him at the center. We're arranging our day in a way where Jesus is at the center. We're gazing upon him. We drive by the beach. We walk down the beach. We see the sunset. We drive over the bridge, and we see the water. And, and, and sometimes we just drive, and we just keep going, I'm, I'm in a rush. I got to get somewhere. I got to do something. I, I got to hang out with somebody. What about just appreciating God's creation? That's like, a, that's like a, a quiet time in itself. I don't do it very much, but like just looking at it and be like, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for this beauty. And it's just a portion of your beauty. That's arranging your day in a way where Jesus is at the center. You worship him. You listen to worship music. You read his word. You're arranging your day in a way where Jesus is at the center. Yes, there's definitely a portion of this where we arrange our schedule in a way where we give God a specific amount of time just for him. And that's part of it. We're talking to God. We're, we're, we're worshiping him. We're reading his word. We're serving others. Imagine walking around just thinking about how can I serve others. And not big things, not grand things, little things. You need a pencil ticket. You need a ride somewhere? Okay. You need an encouraging word? Okay. Let me hold the door for you. Let me get that for you. Let me throw away your trash. And you're serving people. And what are you doing when, you, when you're serving people? You're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about others. And then all of a sudden, it points you back to Jesus. I'm arranging my day in a way 
where Jesus is at the center. I know this is hard for you, this one, but obeying authority, including and especially authority you don't like. Obeying your teachers, obeying your parents, obeying the law. And when we do these things, even when we don't want to do them, guess what we're doing? We're being like Jesus. And we're not becoming more holy, but we're reminded, hey, wait a second, why do I need to listen to my parents even though they're bugging the crap out of me, even though I think they're wrong? Oh, yeah, because God told me to. Oh, this is all about God. And now you're arranging your day in a way where Jesus is at the center. Think about little things like this. This is something I need to do more, like sacrificing little things, like what do we watch on TV? What movie are we going to get? Where are we going to go eat? What are we going to do with our day and our free time? And sacrificing for the other person, sacrificing for Karen, maybe it's sacrificing for your boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe it's sacrificing for your parents or your siblings or your friends, and you sacrifice what you want in this small way, and they may not even notice, but you do. And you're realizing, oh, yeah, I do that because of Jesus. And now you're arranging your day in a way where Jesus is at the center. And we're slowly experiencing that transformation, and it just starts to happen. And again, we don't notice it. And again, we start to want what he wants, because as we start to do this, as we start to arrange our day in this way, we just see Jesus, we see Jesus, we see Jesus, and all these things, and we start to change. That's why we have reminders everywhere, stickers, backgrounds of phones, all these, all these things that, that we have, we, we have these so that we see these reminders. And we say, oh yeah, it's about Jesus. Let me gaze upon Jesus. Let me think about Jesus. Let me, let me, let me just focus on him for a minute. And you're arranging your day in a way where Jesus is at the center. See, it's not, it's not enough to make a decision to be transformed and then to not continue to look upon Jesus. The feeling you feel right now is because you've been looking at Jesus all weekend. It's because you've been gazing upon his glory. Those songs we sing, we're gazing upon the glory of the Lord. And we are transformed. We are transformed. Quoting scripture to yourself. I know this sounds super holy. But it's, you know all the scripture already. If you memorize these songs, you know scripture. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God is powerful. He's the great I am. He has a plan for me. He has a reason for my life. If you went to kids camp last year, you know he has a plan for my life. He has a reason for my life. I, sing that, I actually sing that song to myself a lot. I sing that song to Sinclair. God has a reason, reason for your life all the time. That's like one of the most powerful things I got out of this entire past summer. Like, like it, it's, it's so important. He has a reason, not just a plan, a reason for your life. You're sitting there as a 12-year-old and you hate yourself. He's got a reason for you. Sitting there as an 18-year-old and you think, man, I, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't, even, I don't even know about all this stuff. Man, I'm so discouraged. I don't know what direction I'm going. He has a reason for you. Listen to that. Listen to that. If you're talking to your friend, listen to that. God has a reason for your life. Talk to yourself like that. Tell yourself, hey, I'm a new creation. I'm different. God has changed me. God loves me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Most of us know that verse. And we just start quoting these scriptures to ourselves. And sometimes I just have to, I have to, I have to say, say these things to myself. You know, the, 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 shirt, uh, the shirt brand, he is greater than I. Many of you have seen the stickers and all that stuff. He must become greater. I must become less. That's a very simple verse. And when you need to be giving, you start saying that to yourself. He must become greater. He must become greater. He must become greater. When you start quoting that scripture to yourself, guess what? You're arranging your day in a way where Jesus is at the center. Here's, here's a problem that we have, though. We, 
we see ourselves in this kind of like old country boy way, like, man, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. <laughs> you know, I'm just a, I'm just a sinner. Man, Jesus just whooped me upside the head. And I got to tell you, man, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And that's like, and it's true. But when we see ourselves as a sinner saved by grace, guess what we're going to go do? We're going to sin. I'm just, I'm a sinner. That's what I am. I've been, uh, good thing I was forgiven, but I haven't been changed. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's, that's part of the gospel. That's not the whole gospel. The whole gospel is that we have been made new. God has given us a new heart and a new mind. We are a new creation. We are changed. And if we live in that, we can be transformed. Not saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but saying I'm a new creation. I don't want that because I'm a new creation. That's a lot better reason to not do something than I'm a sinner saved by grace. I might as well just give in and Jesus will forgive me. I haven't really been changed, but at least I'm forgiven. No, we've been changed. We've been made new. You may not feel new right now, or you may not feel new in two weeks, but you have been made new. And when we live from that place where we've been made new, it makes all the difference in the world. Because it changes our perspective. We're no longer a sinner. We're now righteous. Because that's how God sees us. We are holy because he sees Jesus. We are blameless because he sees Jesus. And when we see ourselves in that way, all of a sudden we start to live into that. It's, it's the same thing as like if a kid gets told, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. They think, I'm just bad. I just do bad things. They get told by a teacher, you're just bad. And they're just like, that's just what I'm supposed to do. I'm bad. But when a child is encouraged and told, no, that's not you. You are good. Remember that, what was the, the movie, The Help? Where the, where the lady just, you are, you are good, you are important, whatever. whatever. That, that was speaking these truths that made this, this child think, oh, I want to live into that. Hey, I'm not a failure. I'm not bad. I'm good. I'm important. I'm valuable. In Galatians 2, we read it last night, says this, this same thing, and I just want to read it to you one more time. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now here's the most important thing as we, as we kind of finish up this weekend. Here's the most important thing that we have to realize. We've got to start setting our expectations. Because if we're going to expect transformation, we can't expect the wrong things, can we? We all know what happens when we have bad expectations about something. We expect one thing and we don't get it, we're disappointed. And sometimes, sometimes the issue is we just expected the wrong thing. You expected your friend to hang out with you, and then they don't, and they didn't let you know, and you're angry at them. But if you didn't have that expectation, you wouldn't have been angry. So we have these expectations that, that, that mess us up. Here is the expectation we need to set as we're expecting transformation. Here it is. Transformation is a lifelong journey. Transformation is a lifelong journey. Transformation is a lifelong journey. You came into this weekend with an addiction. Guess what you're going to have when you get home? An addiction. You came into this weekend with an unhealthy relationship with a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Guess what you're going to have when you get home? An unhealthy relationship. Came into this weekend with a, a problem in your family. Guess what you're going to have when you get home? 
came into this weekend with problems at school, guess what you're going to have when you get home? You came into this problem struggling with pornography and lust, guess what you're going to have when you get home? You came into this, prob- into this weekend with a problem of selfishness and pride, guess what you're going to have when you get home? Can God heal, heal us overnight and transform us overnight? Yes. But generally, transformation is a lifelong journey. And here's another very important thing, kind of as a, as a, as a sub-point to this. It takes time for our lifestyle to catch up with our beliefs. It takes time for our lifestyle to catch up with our beliefs. See, we have a problem with this. We, you might have a friend in this room. Maybe you've been a Christian for like eight years. You invited a friend. They gave their life to Christ. And then in two weeks, they're going to do something. You're going to be like, man, I guess it didn't work. I guess they must have just lied. They just went to the back, and it was all fake. And they, it, just didn't, it just didn't catch them. And they're, they're, just, they're just the same old, same old. That's so unfair. Have grace with each other. Have grace with yourself. Have grace with yourself. Because... We can believe something, but it takes a while for that to reach our actions. If you've been doing something for years and believing something for years, your actions are going to match that. And one day of belief in something else isn't going to just change your actions all of a sudden. Sometimes it takes time for our beliefs to catch up, or our lifestyle to catch up with our beliefs. And as a, as a part of that, and, and this is what we're going to kind of close with, I want to ask this question. What about when I mess up? Because you will. Sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble, your Epworth bubble. I'm going to go home and I'm going to be perfect. I got transformed. Put it on your Instagram and your Snapchat. Hey, everybody, expect a new me tomorrow. And then when you do run, one wrong thing, you're like, dang it. Shouldn't have posted that. You're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. And here is the last point of the weekend, and this is so, so important. I want you to write it down. If you're not a writer-downer, I want you to write it down. If you haven't written down your notebook the whole weekend and you're going to throw it away, write it down in your Bible. Here's what it is. Messing up doesn't mean you haven't been transformed. Messing up doesn't mean you haven't been transformed. Come on, man. Come on. Start playing. Messing up doesn't mean you haven't been transformed. Formed. When you mess up this week, when you get home and get in a fight with your parents tonight because you're tired and sick and they're like, oh, you have to do homework and blah, 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 blah. How was your weekend? You're like, gosh, I don't even want to talk to you. Like, get away from me. Um, you're going to get in a fight with them and you're going to be like, dang it, I thought I got transformed. What's wrong with me? When you mess up, it doesn't mean you haven't been transformed. It doesn't mean you haven't changed. It doesn't mean you are hopeless. You get home and you're selfish. That doesn't mean that something didn't happen this weekend that will change your life, that is going to transform you. You go home tomorrow night, you look at pornography, doesn't mean you haven't been transformed. Next weekend you go to a party and you get wasted and you get high, it doesn't mean you haven't been transformed. Here's what Satan's going to try to tell you. Here's what Satan's going to try to tell you. You're going to mess up. You're going to mess up, and he's going to say, see, I told you. All that stuff is crap. The Jesus stuff is crap. That whole weekend, it was a facade. It's not real. You're not changed. You're not transformed. You're still a failure. You're messed up. You ain't nothing. You're never going to be. You're a sinner. You're not changed. You're not transformed. Get that church talk out of your head. 
Get those notes, throw them away. Man, you're, you're useless. Because you messed up once? Three days later? See, we go home and we're like, oh, how long can I like stay on this spiritual high? And then we mess up, we're like, I guess it's over. I guess I'm done. I guess, I'm, I, guess I wasn't transformed. I guess, oh man, like, I guess I'll just, I'll just quit it all. I'm just done with all of it. Satan's gonna try to convince you to just give in and go back to the life you used to have. But do y'all remember when, 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 that, when that, that naked woman gets thrown in front of Jesus and they say, we just caught her in adultery and they're all about to stone her? When all of them walk away, he says these key words. He says, go and sin no more. Here's what he's saying. Don't come back here. Don't go back, woman. Don't go back to where you used to be. Yeah, you messed up. Don't go back. You don't have to go back. Satan's going to try to convince you to go back. To go back to the gossip. To go back to the lies. To go back to, to, to hating yourself and having this bad self-esteem and to listening to what people say about you or listening to what your parents say about you or listening to what your friends say about you. And he's going to try to get you to go back and convince you it's all a lie. But just because you mess up doesn't mean you haven't been transformed. Here's what we want to do. We want this weekend to be a spark. A spark that lights a fire. We want this weekend to be the beginning of a race. Yeah, you haven't finished the race, but you've started the race. And it's beginning something new in you that will change you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to imagine who you could be at Epworth next year. And for seniors, when you're at college, this time next year, I want you to imagine who you could be in a year. Don't, don't worry about the little mess ups on the way. I want you to imagine how you could be different in a year. Let's fast forward some more. I want you to imagine, first of all, how old are you gonna be in 10 years, think about that. 10 years. Some of you have barely even been alive 10 years. 10 years from now, imagine how old you're gonna be. Imagine where you might be at that point. And imagine who you could be at that point if you just go on this journey from today until then. Not giving up when you mess up. Not saying, I guess it, it, it just didn't work. Not saying, I guess I'm not transformed. Imagine where you could be. Imagine where your perspective could be. Imagine how you can look back and know that this weekend started it all. See, as I talked about last, uh, last night about the serving thing with me, I can look back and look at a time where I started to change. And yeah, there were plenty of times, there still are, where I was selfish about serving, when I didn't want to serve, where I didn't have a servant's heart. But if I had just said, oh man, I guess I'm selfish, I'm just never going to serve again. Well, where would that put me? See, don't believe the lie that Satan's going to give you to just go back, to just go back. There was a student um, in the past year who, who I was speaking with, and this student was, was struggling with a substance, substance that, that this student was using one, two times every single day. The student told me, man, I want to change. I want God to change me. I'm on fire for God, but I'm afraid about going back to where I was. And I said, okay, I'll hold you accountable. We'll talk about it. Talked to him a, a week later. 
How was the week? How, how did things go? Well, I messed up. I said, okay. How many times you mess up? Once. Okay. You only did it once this week? That's a win. That's transformation. You used to do it 10 times a week, 11 times a week, 12 times a week. Now once? Not too bad. Two weeks later. Ah, I messed up two or three times in the past two weeks. Three times in, two, in three weeks? Man, you've like cut it down 90%. You think that's not transformation? That's transformation. Don't you go believe in the lie that, oh, I messed up. I might as well just go back to doing it. Had sex with my boyfriend. I might as well just keep having sex. And I looked at pornography. The streak's over. I'm just going to keep on going that direction. No, 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 no. Don't believe the lie. Keep on walking. Keep on looking to Jesus. Keep arranging your day in a way that keeps him at the center. And you will be transformed. And I talked to him two months later. I said, how's it been? Haven't done it in two months. Oh, so now we're three times in three months. Do we see that it used to be 100 times in three months? 150 times in three months? Now we're down to three? And we think that Satan's telling us, oh, you haven't been transformed because you smoked. Really? You've been transformed. You've been transformed. Don't you let a mess up tonight, don't you let a mess up Tuesday tell you that you haven't been transformed. We are transformed. Let's say it together. We are transformed. Let's say it again. We are transformed. Let's say it again. We are transformed. I say, I am transformed. Say, I am transformed. Say, I am transformed. Say, I am transformed. Stand to your feet. Say, I am transformed. Say, I stand up. Say, I am transformed. 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 Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we need you. I pray that we will arrange our day in a way that keeps you at the center of our existence. I pray that we would look to you, not just in quiet times, not just at church, but that we would look to you daily as we look at nature, as we look at our friends, as we look at our school, as we obey, as we think about scripture, as we memorize scripture, as we see a sticker on our phone. I pray that we will remember that you love us, that we are transformed. I pray we would just go through. We mess up and I say, I am transformed. Right after we mess up, I pray that a student in this room on Tuesday night when they mess up will say, I am transformed. I am not defined by what I just did. I am not going back to what I used to be, but I am transformed. I am transformed. Lord, transform us. I pray that we would expect transformation, that we would expect to change. Because after all, you are a savior. You do save. You are a change agent, and you change our existence. You change our souls. You change our actions. Why would we follow you? Otherwise, you came to redeem. You came to restore. You came to change and transform. We are transformed. We are transformed. Don't let us believe the lies. When we mess up, don't let us believe the lies. We've been transformed. We've been transformed. We've been transformed. In your holy name we pray.